Policeman there, hello, hello, hello. What you been up to then, son? Um, yeah, you can't get rid of your heritage, can you? Um, my Southampton days, the policemen were always saying to me as a young lad, hello, hello, hello. What have you been up to then, lad? You look very suspicious. And I was. It <laughs> is a fact. Oh, who's this? That human consciousness uh, can affect machinery. Uh, rubbish. Uh, let's move on. Um, <laughs> These shows, I mean, they make me giggle. They probably don't make you giggle, but this is show 49. Ah, we are getting very near the big 50, aren't we? That means uh, we are hitting the uh, magic mark. Uh, 49, lads. 49, uh, guys and girls. Um, That is a pretty amazing number. And today, I'm sat here in Los Angeles, uh, episode 49, looking out, and it's 89 degrees. Had to put a bit of reverb on that because it's so bloody hot but lovely and aren't I lucky and it made me think back in 1988 I worked with the great Hamish Stewart uh, the great bass player guitarist falsetto singer of the average white band era and I went on to play with Paul McCartney and he's now playing I think still with Ringo Starr and the all-star band real privilege for me to work with uh, Hamish Stewart because I grew up as a bass player playing the funk and emulating Average White Band and all of a sudden here I was in Los Angeles writing a song with one of my heroes. As you know Radio Owl's Nest uh, podcast is a songwriter's podcast so I'm playing all the rarities and all the rare things from my archives and my demos. You know the drill Um, maybe some of you uh, stopping in now at episode 49 don't know the drill but I play songs that nobody really knows about or do know about, but they're in the archives and the vaults of my career. And it's been a long, bloody career. Uh, Let's get back to the sunshine and working in LA in 1988 with Hamish Stewart. I was working with Earth, Wind & Fire, and I was at the Complex Studios, and I was getting a coffee, breaking away from the the sessions, and stood there um, at the front door and hanging out was Hamish Stewart. And I thought, I know him. Uh, he's he's uh, the bloke from Average White Band. And we had a chat and he said, I'm in LA and I'm looking to do sessions. So I'm going to all these R&B studios. And we made friends. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I'm into writing with you. That would be a thrill. And I said, yeah, okay. When I finish with Earth, Wind & Fire. Doesn't that sound professional? And he came to my little house on Crescent Heights. We wrote about three songs. Uh, I remember one was called Shot in the Dark. I must find that. And then he went away. But we stayed good friends and I met his family and everything. Very lovely, lovely man. Um, And then all of a sudden he called me and said, I've got a new band called Easy Pieces. And uh, we've been signed by A&M. And we're going to make an album, but we do not have a single. And I need to write a song with you pretty quick. So he came across uh, to my house. Again, It's uh, I wrote on an eight-track, uh, quarter-inch uh, little uh, tape machine, eight-track. And uh, we wrote this song called Whenever You're Ready. And I remember thinking about Prince and the Beatles for some reason. How, how do you stick Prince and the Beatles together? Well, it sounded a good idea. Um, and I, I played my first idea to Hamish, and he said, I'm into that. And he said, give me the bass. And he played bass uh, on this track, and I played all the keyboards and everything on the demo. 
And then um, we heard that A&M Records were very excited and we had the single. And I'm going to play you the track uh, that was recorded by Easy Pieces, which was a band made up of Rennie Geyer, Anthony Jackson on bass, and he's a monster, I mean, my God, and Steve Ferroni on drums with Hamish. I mean, my God, we were talking about Steve Ferroni and Hamish Stewart. Uh, we went into A&M Studios, um, well they did, and I came by to stop by and see that Bill Bottrell, the great engineer that worked with Sheryl Crow and Michael Jackson, he was going to produce the track, and they were in a little studio in A&M Studios. They were sort of hidden away in one of these small little rooms that A&M had, um, and I remember that when I dropped in, the band were working up the rhythm section, and Steve Ferroni was programming a drum machine, and um, it was lovely to meet the band, and I should play you now the track that uh, I, I wrote with Hamish Stewart and my name on the record was called S- uh, St. George yes yeah, St. George uh, I think for some reason at that time I thought I'm going to have a pseudonym a pseudonym, pseudonym, I'm not sure it sounds like John Sydenham, the winger for Southampton a pseudonym, I think it's a pseudonym anyway <laughs> I wanted to be St. George on this track. So if you look at the record, it says Hamish Stewart, written with St. George. And I am St. George, the religious figure. Anyway, going to play you uh, Prince meeting the Beatles. And I want you to take notice of how we fade this track and all the strange um, nuances of how it goes out into almost a Sergeant Pepper kind of thing. Um, it had a very much a Technicolor, unusual, um, discordant, but kind of Beatles end. So let me play you this uh, let me play you the song whenever you're ready be by pagey well not really by pagey saint george and hamish stewart
psychedelic. <laughs> Soul, funk, mixed with Sgt. Pepper and everything else. Throw it all in, it's the kitchen sink. What a bass player, Anthony Jackson. Uh, uh, what a bass player. Um, I remember when I, when I walked in and I thought, I know that man as well. He plays incredible six-string bass. And you can hear there some of the uh, six-string bass. Some of the riffs were phenomenal. Uh, that's me writing with uh, Hamish Stewart for a band that he was in called uh, Easy Pieces on A&M. Very interesting for me to hear that after all this time. And I think it was one of the first uh, productions by Bill Bottrell before he went on to bigger things, I suppose. Uh, it was released as a single. I think it did reasonably well in the R&B charts in America um, but it didn't break as a band really big so um, I think it was a one album band but I have to say it was a joy to write with Hamish and we stayed great friends uh, a tremendously intelligent band when you think about Rennie Geyer, the female singer and Anthony Jackson, Steve Ferroni and Hamish I mean uh, that is a pretty phenomenal jazz funk, soul, R&B, slightly rock and pop band um, that sounded good didn't it, I sounded like a DJ for a second there uh, a pure joy to write with mr hamish stewart so i thought we would try something brand new yes absolutely brand new don't be frightened don't be frightened calm down calm down um i thought i would show you what it's like to write songs uh with people um the roughs that you do the demos you do to work with an artist like robbie williams so i found a couple of tracks from the vault uh, the doors are opening, the doors are opening to the past. The past is opening to us. Uh, yes, great sound effects. Okay, I think we're in the mood. Um, I went back to my iPod. Yes, it's a retro show. And I remember that when I was writing with Robbie Williams a long, long, long time ago, well, not too long ago, but when we were playing soccer together, um, I used to do demos at home and bring them up to his house and play him these things. And he'd say, I'm really into that. Do a bit more work on it. Or where should we go? It was a matter of a developing the idea and uh, because I had a studio <clears throat> uh, very near to him I would take his concepts and my feelings back to my uh, studio and do very very rough demos and I'm going to play you a track that I uh, brought to Robbie in the days when I was playing soccer with him on Mulholland Drive uh, when he was here living in LA consistently and we were football fans um, fanatics actually um i started a couple of tracks that i thought would be good for him uh this track i wrote uh, had a working title of uh, revolution because i was feeling the drums of ringo back in the beatles days and a bit of that gary glitter kind of thing you know with the, the top of the pops kind of yomp, 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 yomp. rock and roll part one you'll hear that and uh, what was really cool was uh, playing soccer with robbie he would uh, say to me come up after the game and play me what you've been working on pagey so i went back to the studio uh, usually after playing soccer and i would just do these tracks just musical ideas and i really tried to create this rock and roll vibe this kind of slade if you remember them from the uh, uh, 70s and gary glitter vibe i just thought robbie would understand where we're coming from a little bit of oasis going on there as well so i'm going to play you this very rough track I tentatively called uh, Revolution. Um, and it's just me jamming and doing... I was playing live drums and I put all these uh, towels over the toms and drums like Ringo did. So we got a get back kind of feel. Now, I'm going to play you first, and not the whole piece of the song, but I'm going to play you the, the vibe of the rough track that I took up to Robbie that uh, he was very into. 
and then I'm going to play you the track that developed to the next stage, which was like an instrumental, but a bit of the vibe that he was into. And I left it as an instrumental, the second track I'm going to play you here, so that he could find his melodies and find his words and find his lyrics. Now, this first version is me doing phonetic vocals, just giving him a clue where to go. I'm not going to play the whole song, I'm going to fade it quite quickly and then I'm going to play you the instrumental track that I sent to Robbie for him to work on. This first track had the working title of Revolution. So we'll just stop it there at the middle eight and the solo. A terrible impression of Liam Gallagher, but I thought it might uh, inspire the sparks. Um, and I remember going up to Robbie's house and playing him this, and his dad was there. And his dad heard it and said, you should do that. That's sounding really good. As you can hear, I'm trying to get into that humble pie, uh, T-Rex kind of guitar. And Robbie said, I really want to uh, get into that. And we discussed uh, together that this track had something going on. And he said, I want to finish this. And there's something about... The vibe of football and uh, the chant and the tribal element. And we both thought that there's something about your history, your history. Uh, We both sort of discussed that that sounded like a chant you could do uh, and felt 
pretty uh, special to this song. Anyway, I'm going to play you the next version I did. Now, I'm not going to be singing lead vocal on this. So for all you songwriters out there, you can taste what it's like to develop a track. I had to do a demo that had the same spirit, but left a lot of space for Robbie to create melodies and write lyrics, which he's quite brilliant at doing. So this next version is the next stage with the working title of Your History.
Well, did you find some melodies? I hope so. Yeah, for all you songwriters, you can hear that this version leaves a lot of space for the artist to create his melody. Yet there is subliminal mixing there where you can hear my original, if you listen carefully, you can hear my original melody hidden in the background, hoping that Robbie would hear that and say, I'm going to copy that. That's the game. Inspiring the artist you're working with. However you do it, you just have to inspire. And that's how I worked with Robbie Robertson, Go West, uh, Paul Young, etc. You make rough tracks to inspire, that make artists want to um, uh, fill them in, add their colour and character. The concept of raw collaboration, teamwork. You have to be willing to do stage after stage of demoing the same idea. I hope uh, you songwriters out there uh, got the concept of that. Uh, Robbie took this demo, put it on his computer, as he usually does, and uh, hopefully down the line he'll play his computer one day and he'll say, ooh, ooh, there's a song I've got to finish. I really enjoyed playing you those rough stages of jamming creativity. This is a song called I Know A Man, released in July 2022. This is the original demo, released on an album called The Poetry of Collisions, Volume 2.
Well, that was a little bit different, wasn't it, from the uh, <laughs> the madness of the demos for Robbie Williams. Uh, that's a blue-eyed soul song, a demo for me um, that I put on my album, uh, The Poetry of Collisions, Volume 2, back in uh, July 2022. Very different from the rough rock and roll uh, Gary Glitter Slade T-Rex vibes that I was doing for Mr. Robbie there. It's good to be a chameleon. Um <laughs> My record collection was so wide and diverse. When I became a songwriter, I found that I was uh, jumping across every style you could uh, jump across. And uh, I still feel good about that. Um, It's lovely to walk into a studio and write something that you um, feel in your bones. And it's not just one thing. Um, uh, I Know a Man, uh, that song I just played you, was actually a prelude to my uh, album In the House of Stone and Light. It was one of the demos I was writing for that album. So it's really great to get eventually get the demo out on the poetry of collisions volume two released in july 2022 and i wonder uh, do you agree with me i think paul young yes paul young could have sung i know a man pretty wonderfully here are true facts about the owl many owls have asymmetrical ear holes one is higher than the other by sensing tiny differences in the delay and volume of sound as it arrives in each year, the owl is able to create a three-dimensional auditory map of its surroundings. Try riding a bicycle at night and picking up a moving burrito with your feet based on the sound that it makes. That is how an owl do. What wonderful creatures uh, owls are. I've got an owl actually in a tree very near my bedroom. So when I go to sleep at night, I just hear that wonderful ooing, hooing and cooing. And in the morning, I hear it as well. And um, it reminds me around my house here, we uh, we get a lot of wild animals. And I sometimes have found myself rushing up to this very uh, hidden uh, way station, wild uh, animal way station uh, in the hills here. I don't know why the echo's on, but well, <laughs> it did sound good on hills, didn't it? Because I get a lot of opossums around where I live. And sometimes baby possums are abandoned by their mother. Maybe she's uh, died and there's babies around, and then I find myself driving at a 1,000 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, definitely 100 miles an hour, uh, down the freeway to a way station, a wildlife way way station where they uh, save these wild animals, going up into the hills, panicking, panicking. I'm looking after these little possums next to me in the car. So far, we've saved about six or seven little opossums that were orphans. Brilliant. That's good news. Shall we play some more music? Well, this is a gem, a gem from the past, right back in the archives in the vaults, uh, when I worked with my great friend Jack Hughes from uh, Wang Chung. We were doing some songs that might have turned into one of his solo records, and we wrote a song together called When We Talk About Love. Yes, it's a bit like the uh, Get Back uh, Beatles uh, documentary you watched. Everything happened and we recorded everything. So let me play you the demo we did together uh, called When We Talk About Love. Uh, Excuse the beginning, but we were having fun.
A demo uh, with Jack Hughes from Wang Chung. Really raw, not finished, but you can feel the uh, instinct that we were going for. That's a song called When We Talk About Love, the very beginning jam. I remember uh, saying to my publisher uh, when he asked me, who do you want to work with? And I said, that chap in uh, Wang Chung. And it actually happened, which was lovely. Um, we were doing a lot of demos around this time together. And of course, um, more T Vicar came into the proceedings. Um, we just had fun. Um, we also, I know Jack was looking to find his own presence, his own voice. And he was uh, thinking about, at that period, doing a solo record. And I wanted him to feel free, do his thing. Wow, the echo again, but on free it sounded good. This is a spiritual thing. Echo is just hitting me at the right time. Um, <laughs> we won't argue with fate. It was great for me to work with Jack uh, because um, it was an education because Jack came from a classical background and uh, I came from a pure sort of instinctive uh, pop background. But we made friends and that was the most th uh, important thing. We were soulful together and we became really, really uh, connected as uh, creators and more importantly, uh, friends. So that demo, uh, when we talk about love, very rare, lucky to hear it, uh, on, from a cassette, believe it or not, from a cassette. So that's how long ago it was. Jack has released some amazing solo albums. You should check them out. Um, and I always feel he's an outstanding guitarist. And who else sounds like Jack Hughes? His uh, concept of writing songs, the way he sings, um, his approach to um, composition is, in my eyes, totally, totally unique. So my sweet owl heads, uh, what about questions? On the episode 48 before this, we went back to doing questions again. Quite exciting, isn't it? So I have three really good questions for you that I don't think you're going to answer properly at all or get. I think they're too hard for you. I really do think they're too hard because we're coming to the end of the season again and I've really chosen some. It took me uh, at least uh, 15 days to work out the... No, no, three hours to work out these questions. And I think if you can get any of these right, um, you are a pretty exceptional Pagey fans. Question one. Now, you know, at the beginning of the show, I played you the song I wrote with Hamish Stewart for Easy Pieces, and I was called St. George, my other name as a songwriter. Um, so um, I wrote another song, just one other song, under the premise of uh, St. George. I'd like to know what that song was, um, what album it was on, who was the artist? I'll give you a little clue. It was in 1991. I only wrote two songs under the pseudonym, 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 pseudonym uh, of St. George. What was the other song? You've heard the first one with Easy Pieces. What was the second song I wrote under the name St. George? Tough. That is bloody tough. Number two, a little bit easier, I think, a little bit easier. Uh, there was an iconic synthesizer that I used all throughout the 1980s. I speak about it all the time with love and reverence. What was that iconic synthesizer that I used mostly through the 1980s? Now, question number three. Pretty hard, I think, unless you are a pagey fanatic, which I am. I'm a fanatic for myself. Um, there were three professional bands that I joined before I uh, formed the band QPhil. I want to know what the three uh, professional bands I was in before I was in QPhil. And I'm going to give you a clue. Uh, the first band was in Oxford. The second band was in Bristol. 
the third band was in London. So like question one, there's three parts to this. What were the three professional bands I was in before I formed uh, QPhil and we did Dancing in Heaven. So um, <laughs> tough. I think they're tough. I think they're really tough, but I think they should be really tough for the end of the season. I will tell you the results of uh, these questions uh, on my Facebook page a couple of weeks after you've had time to ingest all the incredible facts around these questions. Good luck. May God and St. George be with you. Ooh, what a feel. Michael McDonald. The Pointer Sisters. This is uh, my demo for Kim Carnes, a song called I Pretend.
singer Stevie Lang. That's me and Brian Fairweather singing background vocals. What a feel! What a feel! Ah, I just needed to hear that Michael McDonald swing. That's uh, Brian Fairweather and myself writing a song that was eventually recorded by Kim Carnes on her album Cafe Racers. And it was our first uh, adult contemporary top 10 record. Adult contemporary. What does that mean? I do feel quite adult saying that. I love this demo because I think the swing, even though we're in a little studio in Wilsdon, Battery Studios, late at night, in a grimy part of London, I think we touch the sunshine of Los Angeles. And I've got to mention again, great vocals by Stevie Lang. Uh, great, a great lady. And uh, what a vocalist. She should have had a successful career herself. Uh, I've just found out, actually, which is quite interesting, that uh, the Cafe Races album released by Kim Carnes, her three singles from the album were written by me and Brian Fairweather. Invisible Hands, You Make My Heart Beat Faster, and That's All That Matters, and this song, I Pretend. <sighs> Total domination, world domination. Kim Carnes was a lovely lady and she gave us our break uh, around that time. And that album, Cafe Racers, was released in 1983. But how do we beat the darkness and depression and the things that challenge us? How do we combat our emotions when they're down? How do we carry on when there's no light ahead? His new song called How. Far angels round me
brand new song I'm working on. Uh, rough stages right at the beginning. Always nice at the end of a show to play you something new that's uh, brewing up. That's a song called How. I can't help uh, thinking that this song was influenced really by uh, the band Free. There was an album called Heartbreaker, which was released by Free in 1973. I love that album, and there was a lot of intimate music on that record. Um, and before that, I think there was a track called Mouthful of Grass, written by uh, Andy Fraser, their fantastic bass player. And of course, Paul Kossoff on guitar. A lot of that period for me was really special because I was at art college and Free had that blues um, sentiment. And of course, with Paul Rogers, you had the most amazing, amazing, amazing soulful vocals. So that's a new song of mine called How, and I think we all know what that means. Outside, I'm silent, but inside, I scream out loud. <laughs> yes, something screaming in the kitchen. It is the tea kettle. It's time for tea. And I think, quote of the month. I think this is the right time to do quote of the month. I'll be there in a minute. No, that's the bell. That's the bell that denotes that it is actually, really, quote of the month. And here it comes. And it comes from the Buddha. I do not see even one other thing that, when untamed, unguarded, unprotected, and unrestrained, leads to such great harm as the mind. The mind, when untamed, unguarded, unprotected, and unrestrained, leads to great harm. That comes from the Buddha. I think in the 70s or 80s I was watching TV and there was an advert that said, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. I have to agree. Well, you are the best, the best, the Owlheads. I'm so fortunate to have you there. I had a lot of fun today, a lot of fun, a lot of giggles. And besides you, I got to thank Vanessa Levitt and Diane Poncha, my manager. As the music fades up to our fade, please look after all the innocent animals out there. They need you and I'm depending on you. Okay, see you soon again in the Owl's Nest. Big love.